What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movie Spencer and passing. First, let's talk about the movie Spencer. Here's a quick synopsis. The film chronicles a free day time period during Christmas of 1991 where Princess Diana makes a life-altering decision to leave the royal family. This was one of my most highly anticipated films of the year. I have been stoked for this project ever since it was announced because I knew that it would put Kristen Stewart on the map. She was going to be playing Princess Diana and I was going to love it. And man, did I love almost everything about this movie. Not only does the film star Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana, but it also stars Sally Hawkins from The Shape of Water, Timothy Spall from The Party, and Sean Harris from The Green Knight. And the standout performance from Spencer no doubt goes to Kristen Stewart, who gives a career best turn as a cultural icon. Not only does she master the accent, she's also in full-on movie star mode, and it feels effortless. It doesn't feel like she's trying at all. She's not trying to lose herself in the role. She's just being a mega movie star. And a lot of people will come out of this film and say, Kristen Stewart is now a good actress. And that is just simply not the case. And I get the perception, if you only know her from the Twilight films, then you can feel that way. But for me, she's been great in a lot of films, including Adventureland, The Runaways, Camp X-Ray, Clouds of Sils Maria, Certain Woman, Cafe Society, Personal Shopper, and Happiest Season. And I understand those are mostly indies that not everyone sees. I mean, the mainstream movies she's been in are not super impressive. The Twilight films, Snow White and the Huntsman, and Charlie's Angels. After you see her in Spencer and still don't think she's a good actress, you are out of your mind. And I really hope that Stewart ends up winning an Oscar for this performance. And the best scenes of the movie are are her scenes with the kid actors playing Prince William and Prince Harry. They are delightful and the best scenes of Stewart's career. When you play someone as well-known as Princess Diana, you have to nail it, and that's exactly what Stewart did. I think one of the biggest criticisms of Stewart's career is that she's not an upbeat performer. She's usually not playing a happy character. Well, she turned what some people view as her biggest weakness as a strength. Yes, it's true. Kristen Stewart is is way better at playing a character who is dealing with dread. I mean, she did it in a movie like Personal Shopper. In that film, she's dreading the loss of her brother. And in this film, she's dreading the thought of spending any time with the royal family. The only other performance worth noting comes from Sally Hawkins, who has really good chemistry with Stuart. In this, she's the only character other than the kids who care about Diana as a human being and not just as a figurehead. They're last scene together was great. There's also a scene when they're on the beach that's amazing. It's so unexpected. Sally Hawkins is so unexpectedly good in this movie. I wouldn't be mad if she gets a Best Supporting Actress nomination at the Oscars. Getting back to Stewart, this is not the first time that Kristen Stewart has played a well-known real-life figure. She did so previously in The Runaways as rock star Joan Jett and Seberg as new wave actress Jean Seberg, and all three times she's done so have been impressive and with Spencer it's on a grander scale and under the microscope because she's playing someone that so many people have feelings and opinions on in Princess Diana but I think all three of these figures have a lot in common they were all talked about by the media in a really weird way all three of these women were ahead of their time
time. And all three were brilliantly true to themselves. They are who they wanted to be, not who others wanted them to be. And all three were played brilliantly by Kristen Stewart. I could not recommend you watch these three films back to back anymore. Definitely, if you like Spencer, watch The Runaways and watch Seaberg because Kristen Stewart is great at playing real life famous people. Stewart is next set to star in the film Crimes from the Future with Viggo Mortensen and Leia Sadu, directed by David Cronenberg and Sally Hawkins is next set to star alongside Timothy Chalamet, Olivia Coleman, and Keegan-Michael Key in Wonka. Let's talk about the director of Spencer because the director of this film, Pablo Lorraine, has become a master at making a good biopic. He previously directed Jackie, a film about Jackie Kennedy starring Natalie Portman, and why both of his biopics, Jackie and Spencer, are brilliant is because, in my opinion, they are not a cradle-to-grave film that chronicles an entire person's life. Both films, Jackie and Spencer, are about one pivotal moment in both of these women's lives. For Jackie, it's how Jackie dealt with life after her husband JFK was assassinated, and for Spencer, it focuses on the three days that Diana decides to leave the royal family. Very few biopics that try to tell a story of an entire person's life are good. I mean, I can think of a few. Malcolm X, the Spike Lee film with Denzel Washington, that's the very best I've ever seen, and it's very hard to do that, and I think one of the reasons that film works is because it's directed by Spike Lee, and it's starring Denzel Washington. A lot of the times, if you tell a movie about an entire person's life, so much of the movie doesn't end up mattering. It just feels like you're watching the hits. Oh, I know that this scene's gonna come up because I know a lot about this person, so I can't wait to see this moment. I feel like a lot of people think that a biopic should be like an autobiography, and that's not the case. If you want to learn all the interesting facts about Princess Diana, there's plenty of books available. This is a story. It is entertaining. It is about a moment in her life. This isn't even factual. It's called a fable at the beginning of the movie. I think of a movie like Lincoln. That movie is not about the entire life of Abraham Lincoln. It is about a moment in time where he is thinking of getting rid of slavery. I mean, that film, who cares if it's not his entire life? Daniel Day-Lewis is great and Kristen Stewart is great and Spencer. I don't want to learn about the entire life of Princess Diana. I'm not even sure it's that interesting for a film, but I think for what the movie is, what Spencer is, it's brilliant. What Jackie was, it's brilliant. You deal with one significant moment. Movies that go on for years and years get confusing. I think of a movie like Rocket Man. Like, who knows where we are in Elton John's life at the end of that movie? It's confusing to follow. At least with Spencer, you know that it takes place during a three-day period. And what I like about Spencer is, if I want to know more about Princess Diana because of this movie, there is plenty of information to do so. Maybe I want to know if some of the things that happen in this movie are real. Maybe I want to know more about the details. This movie will get you interested in those details. They don't need to paint you the picture. It's already there. Also, nobody wants to see a movie about how somebody became famous. I find that subject matter to be quite dull. I know these people are talented. Maybe not in the case of the royals, but still, I don't need to know the origin story of someone. I like that this movie is about a three-day period where she doesn't want to be royal. And one of my favorite biopics of all time is Walk the Line. That movie is not about how Johnny Cash is one of the best country music singers of all time. No, it's about him wanting to be with June Carter.
harder. It is about something. It's not about his life. It is about him falling in love for the first time in his life. And Spencer is about Princess Diana separating herself from the royal family. Another thing I loved about Spencer is how you can't tell where this movie is headed. It is unpredictable and those are the kind of movies I love the most. I don't like when you watch a scene and you can go, oh, I can see where this is headed. You cannot tell where Spencer is headed. You cannot tell where it's ending. Again, I just think this needs to be said. If you're going in this movie to learn all about the facts of Diana's life, then you're in for a big disappointment. But what you do get is empathy for what she was going through and how the media treated her far worse than the other members of the royals. As a society, especially today, we are told that money, fame, and celebrity will solve all of our problems. But we can't fathom is that those things can become your biggest problem. And that's what happened to Diana. She was getting all of this attention. The problem is it wasn't coming from the people she wanted it from the most. I'm really interested to see if Spencer is a big awards player outside of Stewart's performance. For me, director Pablo Lorraine should receive a nomination for Best Director. Maybe Sally Hawkins can get there for a Best Supporting Actress nom. She has one great moment in particular that could get her there. And then I want this to get a Best Picture nomination. For me, it's one of the very best movies of the year along with Pig, The Green Knight, and The Last Duel. I could not recommend this movie anymore. Definitely check out the movie Spencer. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Passing. Here's a quick synopsis. Set in 1920s New York, Irene reunites with a childhood friend Claire and soon realizes that even though both are mixed race, that Claire is passing off as white. This is a movie that I heard really good things about and one of the reasons I desperately want to check this movie out is because who the stars of the movie are. Passing stars Tessa Thompson from Thor Ragnarok and Sorry to Bother You, Ruth Nega from Loving, Andre Holland from 42 and High Flying Bird, Bill Camp from The Queen's Gambit, and Alexander Sarsgaard from Big Little Lies. And the standout performances come from Thompson, who everyone knows from Marvel movies and the two Creed films, but to me, she does her best work in smaller films like Sorry to Bother You and Little Woods, and in passing, she's doing some of her best work. I feel like it's her best leading role. And then with Ruth Nega, you have someone who more people should know about. She gave one of the best performances I've ever seen in this Jeff Nichols film, Loving. I absolutely love the film Loving. I could not recommend it more. Joel Edgerton is great in that film, but it's Nega, and Nega ended up getting an Oscar nomination for that performance. And then she showed up in James Gray's sci-fi Ad Astra along with Brad Pitt, and she's only in the movie maybe eight minutes, but she gives the definition of what I would call a scene-stealing performance. I loved her in that film, and in passing, she's giving one of the best performances of the year. I no doubt think she is getting a Best Supporting Actress nomination at the Oscars for this role. And then like Nega, you have Andre Holland, who not enough people know that name. He shows up in excellent films like 42, Selma, and Moonlight. But the movie that I first noticed Andre Holland was 42. I saw that movie. Everybody was talking about the late, great Chadwick Boseman, and I loved him in that movie. I loved Harrison Ford in that movie. But Andre Holland blew me away. He plays like the lone black reporter covering Jackie Robinson. I love every minute of him on screen in the movie 42. And he was the lead of a very underrated sports film, High Flying Bird, directed by Steven Soderbergh, Zaza. 
Ozzy Beats is in that movie. I love the film High Flying Bird, and I absolutely love Andre Holland, and he is really good in this movie. His scenes with Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega are great. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, he thinks that the Ruth Nega character, Claire, is super overdramatic, and then in the middle of the movie, he starts to really enjoy her almost as much as he likes his wife, played by Tessa Thompson. It's a fascinating character he's playing in this movie. I also think he's the character in the movie who's not avoiding the time he's living in. I mean, Tessa Thompson does not want to talk about social issues, but her husband, played by Andre Holland, desperately wants to. And then you have the Ruth Nega character who is passing. I mean, she doesn't want to live in the reality that she's living in. I mean, he is the only character living in the real world, so to speak, in some form or fashion. I mean, the Tessa Thompson character is not as far as the Ruth Nega character, but still, the Andre Holland character feels like he understands the world he's living in. He wants to leave the country. He wants to talk about social issues, while Ruth Nega and Tessa Thompson's character want nothing to do with either of that. Holland's character is the character who most wants to deal with his issues head on. It seems like Thompson wants to avoid the issues and Ruth Nega definitely wants to avoid her issues. Tessa Thompson will next appear in Thor, Love and Thunder and Creed Free and Andre Holland's next role will be in Bones and All with Timothy Chalamet, Taylor Russell, Mark Rylance and Michael Stuhlbarg. Passing is the directorial debut for Rebecca Hall who is best known for acting in films like The Prestige, The Town and Iron Man Free and is a great debut. The film has great performances and it's about something that happened in the world that not a lot of people talk about. That's what I loved most about the movie is it was about a subject matter that I did not know a lot of. The history of African Americans passing off as white and not only is it about that but it's about the people who didn't pass and how they have to deal with it. The best line of the film comes from Tessa Thompson's character who says we are all passing off as some Thing. I have to say this, my biggest issue with the film is its ending. I have mixed feelings about the ending. I think it's too on the nose, it's too poetic, it tries to tie the movie in a nice bow. I wanted the issues that Irene Thompson's character had with Claire's to be talked through that for me would have been more entertaining and informative. The ending, while shocking, left me wanting more. It was building to this ultimate climax of the Ruth Nega character having to confront what she's been doing this entire time. I really wanted to build off something emotionally palatable and I think it left me wanting so much more. And I get it, this movie is based on a novel. They probably weren't going to change the ending. I did not like the ending to this movie. This movie's ending was way too fast and out of nowhere. You couldn't have seen it coming and I don't mean that in a good way. I said that in Spencer. I love that you couldn't see where it was going. I love the ending to Spencer. I did not love the ending to passing. It did not confront its issues head on. I thought the movie was headed towards a powerful moment where these two characters played by Thompson and Nega were going to confront one another and instead I got this open-ended ending that I didn't like at all. These performances in this movie deserved a better ending and I feel like a lot of people are going to disagree with this thought. They're probably going to like the ending. The, The ending says something powerful they'll say. I just didn't like it. It wasn't explained enough. It felt so rushed, by the way, where it happens. There's a pivotal moment that happened, and then you blink, and you're like, well, did that really happen? I have no idea. And then it just ends. And some people will say that's powerful. I wanted more meaning in the moment. I wanted a more emotional, powerful
powerful moment from this movie's ending. I think the ending keeps it from being perfect. Passing was shot in black and white, which is perfect for what this movie is about. And I also think it's interesting to note that because this year, 2021, is a big year for black and white movies. Not only do you have Passing, you also have Belfast, a movie directed by Sir Kenneth Branagh that everyone is talking about has the potential to be the best picture winner at the Oscars. You have the French Dispatch that goes in and out of black and white. I really liked that movie. You have Malcolm and Marie, the film that starts Zendaya and John David Washington, directed by Sam Levinson. That was shot in black and white. You have Come On, Come On, the Mike Mills film starring Joaquin Phoenix. I can't wait to see that one. You have The Tragedy of Macbeth, the film directed by Joel Cohen, starring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. And in recent years, you had Roma, Mank, and The Lighthouse, all these films made by excellent directors. And they kind of signify that these are films you're going to have to pay attention to, at least critically. What I find interesting about black and white movies, the modern ones, these are not hit films. These films are not making a ton of money. They're all critical successes. Like, for instance, I don't think Marvel is going to make a superhero movie in black and white because I don't think modern audiences go to these movies in flocks. I think these movies are really good. I think everyone likes these movies. But when people watch black and white films in modern day, they go, that was a nice experience. Now I want to see something in color. I don't think a modern hit is going to be shot in black and white. Again, all of these movies are all critical successes. The Lighthouse, Mank, Roma, we all talk about these movies. We all enjoy these movies. These movies have not been seen by that many people. Most of society are not seeing modern day black and white films. And I feel like the same fate might be there for passing. This is a movie that's going to get a lot of critical attention. Ruth Nega is going to get nominated for an Oscar. I hope Tessa Thompson gets nominated for an Oscar, but this is not a movie that's going to be seen by millions upon millions of people the same way that hits are seen. So yeah, from a critical standpoint, black and white movies signify you're going to get a great film from usually an auteur filmmaker that's going to be meaningful and you're going to love the movie, but it's never going to be a hit film. And I kind of find that kind of sad. Like a movie like Francis Ha, I was watching Francis Ha the other day. It stars Greta Gerwig. It was directed by Noah Baumbach. A lot of movie lovers have seen that film, but not enough people have seen it. It's not a movie that the entire world has seen because partly it's in black and white. Again, black and white is a signifier of something significant artistically, but it's never going to produce a hit movie ever again. I don't think so. I don't think a Marvel movie is going to be shot in black and white. I don't think a Star Wars movie is going to be shot in black and white. I don't think a Fast and the Furious film is going to be shot in black and white. A Bond movie, remember they did the opening of Casino Royale in black and white. There's a reason why that entire film is not in black and white. It does not make hit movies in 2021. Now it makes really great movies, it makes interesting movies, but not ones that you would deem a hit. And I really do hope they continue to make modern day black and white films. I usually end up enjoying them and I really enjoyed passing. I highly recommend you check it out. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and this week I put the spotlight on the movie Spencer and Passing. Next week I'm putting the spotlight on the movies Tick Tick Boom starring Andrew Garfield and King Richard starring Will Smith. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>